Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Epic. If you're new with us, my name's Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And whether you're new on campus or new online, I'm so grateful that you've chosen to join us today. And I just want to let you know you've shown up in part three of a series called Wake Up. And in this series, what we're trying to do is we're trying to wake up spiritually and engage the world around us in a way that will bring honor and glory to God. And I don't know if you've noticed, but it certainly seems like our world is spinning out of control. Anybody notice that? Anybody? Okay. So there are some interesting things happening in our world today. And as that happens, we have several options. One is to ignore it. One is to battle it and and get angry about it. Another is to shrug our shoulders and say, well, I don't know what to do about it, so I guess I'll do nothing. And another option is to wake up spiritually and engage the world around us in a way that will bring more people to Christ. So that's what we're trying to do in this series. In part one of this series, we talked about the need for us to wake up to salvation and what it means to have a real relationship with the creator of the universe. We'll talk a little bit more about that today. Then last week, we talked about, and I'm curious, what did we talk about last week? Someone say fasting or texting? I I (laughs) couldn't tell. This is like a pop quiz, and everybody says it real quietly. I think that's what it was last week. So yes, we talked about fasting and prayer last week. And we talked about those two spiritual habits that can really help us wake up spiritually if we will engage them. And if you're new, you need to know that every year we start the new year off with a biblical fast. So uh, we start off the new year uh, with a time of fasting and prayer as a church. And this year, Our fast will start on January the 29th, so a week from tomorrow, and it will run to February the 4th. So it's just a one-week fast. And if you're thinking, well, I don't know anything about fasting, I encourage you to scan this QR code. It will take you to our fasting guide. And on this fasting guide, you will learn more about fasting, the different types of fast there are, things that you could fast from, things that you could fast for. There are all different types of fasts that we can engage. And, and there's not one fast that's more spiritual than another. So if you're brand new to fasting, just start somewhere. Begin on the journey. And you'll grow spiritually, I think, as you engage this in a time of fasting prayer and as we do this as a church family. Um, So again, I encourage everybody, spend a little time preparing your heart and your mind for the fast that we'll do starting on the 29th. Now, for today, I want to give you a disclaimer about today's message. So the topic that we're going to talk about today and actually talk about today and next week is a little confusing. It's a little weird. And for some people, it's a little scary. So if you're new to faith, exploring faith, you might be here today and hear what I have to say, and you might say, well, that's weird. I don't know what to do with that. If you feel that way, I understand. If you are a Christ follower, you might say, well, that's a little frightening. I don't know if I know how to fully engage that. Or you might say, you know, I don't believe what you teach, Trent, on that subject. And if you're in that spot, that's okay as well. What I encourage you to do is listen 
to everything I have to say. And then I encourage you to do your own research, to come to your own conclusions about what you believe on this subject. And what I challenge all of us with is that what we believe on this subject and anything related spiritually should be based on scripture, not based on our opinions, okay? So let's push to dive into scripture and have what we believe to be based on scripture. So anybody super curious about this subject we're going to talk about today? All right, you'll find out in just a second. Let me ask you a totally random question uh, as we get into this. How many of you are vivid dreamers at night? Any vivid, vivid dreamers? Okay. Uh, how many of you then remember your dreams? All right. How many of you have reoccurring dreams? Okay. Uh, so many of us have reoccurring dreams. I have several reoccurring dreams. One of my most prominent reoccurring dreams involves me being in an epic battle. I'm in an epic fight with somebody else. And in my dream, I look like this. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of similarity between the two. Can you tell? All right, so you're laughing. This is my dream. Don't laugh at my dream. So obviously, I don't look like that. But in my dream, I'm in this fight. And it's a fight for my life. And I don't know who I'm fighting. I can never see this person. But I'm in this battle for my life, fighting with everything I have. But the only problem is I'm fighting in slow motion. The other person is fighting at normal speed. So you can imagine I'm getting pummeled. Like I'm getting beaten pretty badly. I'm still in the fight, but I'm getting beaten pretty badly. When I wake up from that dream, I wake up with a little adrenaline rush going on in my body. I wake up with a little bit of panic and, and a little bit of, uh, of being alarmed and alert for where my opponent is. And then I'm trying to figure out, is this real? Is it a dream? Like, what, what was going on there? So anybody have weird dreams like that? OK. So here's the reality for all of us. Every day, we wake up in a battle, and it's not a dream. Maybe for you, getting out of bed today was a battle. Maybe if you're a parent with young kids, getting your kids off to school is a battle. Trying to stay positive in a negative world can be a battle. Dealing with cranky coworkers or cranky customers can be a battle. Trying to figure out how to pay Christmas bills or medical bills or just making out of the grocery store without taking a loan can feel like a battle. Dealing with unexpected medical issues can be a battle. Trying to keep all of your relationships in a good place can be a battle. Trying to get answers for your faith questions when it feels like there's no real good answers out there can be a battle. Praying, reading the Bible, trying to live like Jesus can be a battle. If you're new to faith or exploring faith, just coming to church can be a battle. Like maybe for some of you, walking into a middle school that's being used as a church can feel like it's the hardest thing for you to do. And you wonder uh, if God's going to strike the building and it's going to fall down because you just walked into it. Well, you can tell that didn't happen, so you're safe here. But if you've ever wondered, like, why do I feel so tired? 
It may be because of all the battles that we face on a regular basis. So life seems like one battle after another, and it is that way because every day we wake up in a battle. And the Apostle Paul describes that battle in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Listen to what he says. He says, a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So Paul makes it clear that we are all in a spiritual battle, and our battle is with a real enemy. We all have a real enemy. It's the same enemy. He's known in scripture as the devil, also known as Satan. And I don't know what you believe about Satan. Some people believe that Satan runs around in red spandex, poking people on Halloween. Uh, Some people believe that Satan and Jesus are brothers who don't get along. Some people don't believe in Satan at all. And they think that Satan is just a made-up character that religious leaders came up, up with to keep their people in fear and in line. So I don't know what you believe about Satan, but Jesus believed in Satan. Listen to what he said about him in John 8:44. Jesus said that Satan is a murderer and the father of lies. In John 10:10. 10, 10, Jesus said that Satan's mission is to steal, kill, and destroy. And then if you read John 17, you'll see that Jesus prays to his heavenly father, and he prays that God the Father will protect us from the evil one, which is a reference to Satan. One of Jesus' closest disciples, Peter, said this about Satan in 1 Peter 5.8. He said, stay alert, Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So Jesus believed in Satan. Jesus' followers believed in Satan. And when Peter wrote this, the the Greek word that he used for stay alert is this word here. It's a little hard to say, and you might be hungry for Oreos right now, but that's not what it means. So this word, if you're good at rolling your R's, then you'll probably do well with this word. It's Gregorio, something along those lines. All right, so that word means wake up. So Peter's saying, wake up and pay attention. Watch out. You have a real enemy. And this enemy is not just this sweet little kitten that wants to you know, bat your shoelaces. This enemy is a lion. And this Enemy wants to devour you. So again, we have a real enemy. We need to wake up spiritually to Satan's reality and Satan's power, and we need to learn to effectively fight against him. So Satan is a real, powerful being who wants to destroy everyone. If you believe in Satan, if you don't believe in Satan, even those who worship Satan, Satan hates, and he wants to destroy. So isn't that exciting to to learn a little bit more about your great enemy who wants to ruin your life? Now, too often we have the wrong idea about Satan and his power. 
So we get this idea that there's this epic battle, if we believe in Satan, if we believe in God, that there's this epic battle between Satan and God, that they are on the same level with the same amount of power as they fight against each other. That is not an accurate understanding of this epic battle and the people engaged in this battle and the beings engaged in this battle. So to understand that, we need to understand that there are two types of beings in the universe. There are divine beings and created beings. The divine beings are God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Every other being is a created being. Angels are created. Humans are created. Animals are created. So there's divine, and then there's created. God is divine. God is all-powerful. Satan was created as Lucifer, as the angel of light, most beautiful angel. There are three archangels in scripture that we have names for, Lucifer, Gabriel, and Michael. And Lucifer was given that, that position of being the most beautiful. And he didn't like his position. He wanted God's position. So he fought against God to take over God's throne. And God said, we're not gonna do that here. So he gave Lucifer a demotion and a name change. His name was changed to Satan, which means adversary. So having a, an accurate understanding of this battle and those engaged in the battle, I think can help us when we understand Satan is no match for our God, nowhere close. God is way more powerful than Satan. So as Christ followers, we do not need to fear him. We should respect him and the power that he has, but we do not need to fear him. But how do we effectively fight against Satan? It's not like we can see him visibly. I mean, we can see the effects of his work around the world. And again, spend any amount of time on the news or social media, and you will see some evil effects of his work in the world. But how do we fight against him? Well, the Apostle Paul continues, and he explains how we can do that in verse 13. He says, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. So stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be, able, so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these things, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Now, there's a whole lot in that passage that Paul talks about. And we could spend months actually talking about that and breaking that apart, but we're actually gonna break this passage into two parts. So today we're gonna talk about the first part. Next week, we're gonna talk about the second part of that. And even though we break it into two parts, there is so much information that, that can be absorbed today that it just might feel like taking a sip from a fire hydrant. So I encourage you to get your, your, uh, your pen and your paper out for taking notes, get your phone out, your smart device out for taking notes, and pucker your lips up, okay? Because we're going to try to take a sip from this fire hydrant. 
All right, so the first thing that Paul tells us to wear in this epic battle in life is the belt of truth. Today, there is an all-out war on truth. Somehow Satan has deceived us into believing that we can make truth be whatever we want it to be. And our culture tells us to live your own truth. And it says, that's okay if your truth is different than my truth or my truth is different than your truth. It's okay, you just live your own truth. The only problem is we can't do that. It's not possible. Truth is truth. It's not an opinion. It's not a preference. So I can live my opinion. I can live my preference, but I can't live my own truth. Again, because truth is truth and truth applies to everyone. Now, Jesus said several interesting things about truth. In John 18, 37, he said this. He said, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. So Jesus said, truth really exists, and we can know it. It's possible to know truth. And then he said in John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So not only is truth information that we can know, like two plus two always equals four, like that's information. But Jesus said truth is a person, and we can know him. And knowing Jesus personally is the greatest decision that we could ever make in our lives. And again, it goes back to what we talked about two weeks ago. That's how we wake up to salvation. That's how we really wake up spiritually, is starting a relationship with God. So truth is central to our lives and to our eternities. And I wonder, what's your relationship like with truth? What's your relationship with truth? Do you see truth like an opinion? Do you see it like a preference that can be changed based upon the circumstances, based upon the person? Or do you see some truth as something that we can know that applies to all of us? Do you see truth as a person? And do you know that person? Do you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? If you don't, you could meet him today. You could get to know him today. You could start a relationship with him today and join God's eternal family. And we're gonna come back to that a little bit later in the message. So that's the first thing that Paul tells us to wear, the belt of truth. Then he talks about the body armor of righteousness. Now, another way to say righteousness is to say right living or living in a way that honors God. And just like body armor protects the core of a soldier, right living protects the core of a Christ follower. And, and right living helps us to stay in a close relationship with God and others. And it actually helps us to fight against the enemy in his attacks against us. Now, I am so glad that Paul did not say that we should put on the body armor of God's perfection. I'm so glad that God didn't say that. But sometimes that's what we think. Sometimes we think that God expects us to be perfect in how we follow him. And that uh, reason or that thought that we have actually keeps people from putting their faith in Jesus. 
It kept a woman in Guatemala that I got to have a conversation with from a relationship with Jesus for years. On one of our mission trips to Guatemala, we were building a house for a woman named Carmen and her kids. And I got into a conversation with her while we were building that house. And I asked if she was a Christ follower. And she said she was not. And she said she was not because she felt like she couldn't live a perfect life. She said, if I become a Christ follower and if I sin, God will punish me severely. And I just don't think I can handle that. That's a wrong understanding of salvation, a wrong understanding of our God and his relationship with us. And a lot of people have that wrong understanding. And maybe you have that wrong understanding today. But that's not how God interacts with us. That's not what God expects of us. God does not expect perfection. So I explained to this woman that we serve a God of grace, of abundant grace. And he pours out grace and more grace and more grace for us. And he knows that we can't live perfect lives. And so he wants us to come into a relationship with him and learn to live rightly, but not to live perfectly because he knows we can't do that. So he did that for us. A few days later, I had the privilege of leading Carmen to Jesus. And here's a picture of Carmen. It's a picture of Carmen in my family just after we had led her to Jesus. And another one of our church family members who speaks Spanish, Frank, helped me have this conversation with her. And when we prayed on that field there um, at that after school program that we were at, and Carmen's face changed like that. She went from this face that just looked so hopeless before to a face that was shining in her new understanding that she could live in a relationship with God. And it wasn't based upon what she does for him. It's based upon what he has done for her. And we were able to follow up with Carmen after that and see that she's growing spiritually. And I'm so excited for her as she continues to grow in a relationship with God. But again, God is not asking for perfection from us. He's asking us to learn to live in a right relationship with him and, and with others. And part of that means making things right when we mess them up. So God knows we're gonna mess up. God knows some of you messed up last night. God knows some of us messed up this morning. And right living means that we make that right. So maybe for some of you, right living means apologizing to the person that you drove into church with this morning because you got into a great argument on your way into the parking lot. And maybe as you drive home, you need to say, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? So right living means confessing to God when we give into temptation. Right living means when we make a mistake at work, we don't blame it on everybody else and, and, and try not to take responsibility for that. Right living means we take ownership for our mistakes and we work to fix those mistakes. So Proverbs 24, 16 says, for though the righteous fall seven times, they arise again, but the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. So we're all gonna mess up God knows that. God knows we're going to mess up. And he expects that his followers, that we make things right when we mess up. And that's more of what it means 
to wear God's body armor of righteousness. It's not about perfection. It's about living rightly. And when we mess up, we do everything we can to make that right. So if you're a Christ follower, are you living rightly with God and with others? Are you living rightly? Again, I didn't say, are you living perfect? I said, are you living rightly with God and others? You know, there are moments that I am living rightly with God and others. There are moments I'm wearing God's body armor of righteousness, and my right living helps me fight against the enemy and his attacks against me. But there are other moments when I'm not wearing the body armor of God's righteousness. There are actually moments that if you were able to observe my life, you would wonder, why is he a pastor? Because there are moments I don't behave like a pastor. There are moments I don't think like a pastor. There are moments I don't act like a pastor. There are moments I don't do things that pastors should do. And in those moments, you know what I'm grateful for? That I can climb up off the floor and I can get up and I can go back to learning to live in a right relationship with God through apologizing to God, confessing to God my sin, and starting over. Again, the righteous and the non-righteous, we all fall. It's the righteous to have that opportunity to get up and go again in a relationship with God. So that's the second part of the armor of God. God's body armor of righteousness. Now, the third one that Paul talks about is kind of weird. So he says that we should wear the shoes of peace as we are engaging battle. Now, wearing the shoes of peace, to me, in a battle, sounds like running into a battle with bowling shoes on. Like, that's not going to go real well if you're running into a battle like that. But the shoes of peace represent bringing the good news of Jesus to people who haven't heard that or or who haven't received that good news yet. And if you're not really familiar with what the good news is, let me explain it to you. Here's a quick summary. The good news is when we messed up our relationship with God through sin, and any sin hurts our relationship with God, small sins, big sins, any sin hurts our relationship with God and separates us from God. So when that happened, our relationship with God was broken. And guess what? Our righteousness, our right living all by itself could not repair the damage that we had created. So guess what God did? He sent his son, Jesus, to this earth, to walk the earth in a human body and to live a perfect life because we couldn't. And then Jesus died a criminal's death on a cross, taking our place, taking our sin on his shoulders so that we could live forever. That's the good news. And it's not just good news. It's great news. It's life-changing news. And when we put our faith in Jesus, he cleanses us from sin and he puts us in a right relationship with God again. So Christ followers should not run into our spiritual battle stepping on people with the good news. We shouldn't do that. We shouldn't vomit all of our political and religious opinions on social media 
for people who don't vote like us or think like us or act like us. We shouldn't ignore our dying world and just pray that Jesus will come back and zap everybody who's living the wrong way. We should run into battle with the peace that God offers everyone who puts their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So if you're a Christ follower, are you running into your spiritual battle? And your battle may be at home. Your battle may be at work. Your battle may be at school. Are you running into your spiritual battle with the peace of God's good news? Is that what you're bringing to people? Or are you running into battle, slashing people with your knowledge of biblical truth? Biblical truth is important. It's life-changing. But God says we need to run into battles with the peace of his good news to soften hearts and change lives forever. So how are you running into your spiritual battle? All right, we're going to pause right there. We're going to pick back up next week. We're going to look at the next four pieces of God's armor that he talks about. But as we close, let me go back to what Paul said in Ephesians 6.10. He said a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So again, Just want to remind you that every day we wake up in a battle. It's not a dream. It's a real battle. And we face a real enemy who hates us. And for some of you, maybe right now, you're in the heat of the battle. Like it's it's so strong. Like you're not even sure you can keep standing firm. The enemy's just beating you up. And maybe you feel like, like I do when I'm in that crazy dream that I have. You feel like you're fighting in slow motion and your enemy's fighting at full speed and you're just getting the tar beat out of you. Maybe you're weary. Maybe you feel like there's no hope for you in this battle. But I want to remind you there is hope. We're going to close with a song called My Defense. And this song reminds us that God is our defender that God fights for us, even in those moments when we don't feel like we can fight for ourselves. So if you're in an intense spiritual battle right now, during this song, just talk to God about the battle. He understands, he really does. And he's fighting for you. He's defending you. And he wants you to wear the armor that he provides you. And when we wear that armor, we are able to stand firm, even in those moments when we're not really sure we're we're gonna be able to do that. But I know that many of us, like me at times, I engage battles and I don't have any armor on. And that's when I get beat up pretty badly. But we need to wear the armor that God provides us. That's one of the ways that God defends us. Today, God is wanting to defend and fight for all of us. If you aren't a Christ follower yet, if you haven't put your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, 
God is still fighting for you. That epic battle is still going on for your salvation. God wants you to wake up to salvation and that could happen today. And in just a moment, as we pray, I'm gonna guide you and how you can start a relationship with the creator of the universe and how you can wake up spiritually in a relationship with him. So we're gonna close in prayer and we're gonna sing together. So if you would, let's all bow our heads and close our eyes and let's pray. So as we begin praying, I'm just curious, how many of you would say, I am in an intense spiritual battle right now. If you're in that spot, would you raise your hand real quick so I can see that? All right, I see hands. I see hands all over. Thank you for that. God, I pray for these people right now. You know the battle that they're in. You know how they can stand firm. Lord, you know what parts of your armor they need to wear or learn how to wear better or or use effectively to fight against the enemy. So Lord, I pray that you would communicate that to them now, your love, your defense, and how to stand firm against the attacks of the enemy. Now, in addition to that, there just might be some people here willing to say, you know what? I've never put my faith in Jesus. I want him to be my savior. I want him to be my Lord. I want him to be my defender, but he's not that yet. And if you're in that spot and that's a decision that you wanna make today, you could have a conversation with the creator of the universe that goes something like this. And you could just pray this quietly in your heart between you and God. You could pray these words or words similar to that. The words aren't important. The sincerity of our hearts are. So you could say something like this. You could say, God, I admit I'm a sinner in need of a savior. Like, I've messed things up in my life, Lord. I believe that you, Jesus, you are that Savior. And you came to die to fix what I've damaged through sin. So today, I confess my sin to you. And I ask you to come into my life as my Savior, as my Lord, and as my And if you've just prayed that prayer for the first time in your life, you've just been adopted into God's eternal family. And and scripture is very clear about this. When someone makes that decision, a party breaks out in heaven. So in the first service, we had several people say, I'm in. That's the decision I'm making. And so I'm just curious here at this service, anybody willing to say, that's a prayer I just prayed. I've just put my faith in Jesus. If so, would you raise your hand so I can see that and acknowledge you? I see one hand there. I see two. All right, so God, I thank you for these people in their courage in this moment to say they couldn't do it in in life on their own and they desperately need you. So God, thank you for hearing their prayer and responding and stepping into their lives and adopting them into your eternal family. And God, thank you for being a God who loves us, who fights for us and defends us on a daily basis in all the spiritual battles that we engage. So Lord, remind us today of your amazing power. In Jesus' name.